The, the reading is from Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang in these two commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Salt and light to our neighbours. On a bitter January evening some years ago, I was walking along Prince's Avenue in Hull with my brother David. We passed a man huddled on the ground next to the Methodist church. And suddenly David leant down and passed this man a £10 note. I didn't see him get his wallet out. I didn't see him going through his pockets. The £10 note was just there in his hand. I suspect, though I've never asked him, that my brother always carries a five or a ten pound note in his coat pocket, just in case he needs to give it away. His deliberate preparation allows him, like the Good Samaritan, to make an impulsive response to seeing someone else in need, even someone he doesn't know. Our reference today to salt and light comes, as I'm sure you remember from a couple of weeks ago, from Matthew chapter 5. And in that chapter, Christ says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavour? You were the light of the world, like a city on a mountain, glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all to see. We know these words quite well. But maybe we haven't really thought about what Christ is saying here. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He doesn't say, be the salt of the earth. He doesn't say, you should be the salt of the earth. He doesn't say, you must struggle to be the salt of the earth. He says, you are the salt of the earth. We are already salt and light. But what does that mean? 
we add salt to food, because it brings out the flavour. The flavour that is already there, but perhaps untasted. We only need a tiny little bit, a pinch of salt. There are undoubtedly people, Christians, around whom we feel distinctly more alive, around whom we find it easy to behave well. They are the salt of the earth. What a lovely phrase. We have William Tyndale to thank for that phrase. Into ordinary English, the salt of the earth. What greater compliment could we pay somebody? We use light to reveal things. To reveal things that are there, but unseen. Flavour that is there, but untasted. Things that are there, but unseen. Light's also used as a navigation aid. Or perhaps we use a torch to guide our footsteps when the path is dark. I recently read a short story where the protagonist recalls a conversation with his father many years before when they were broke and thrown out of the home they shared. And the little passage went something like this. He knelt down beside me in that strange house and he told me, you should never worry about money. People fight and die for it. But it's not what counts in the end. You can't take money with you. And it's not a measure of whether you've had a good life. <clears throat> the currency of time, the true measure of what your life has been worth, lies in the memories you make, in the people you've loved, in the impact you've left behind you. If I was to die tonight with just the loose change in my pockets, I wouldn't die a poor man. I've loved your mother. I've loved you. All the rest is dust in the wind. I've loved. All the rest is dust in the wind. When we are salt and light, <clears throat> it is because we concentrate on what is important in life, knowing that the rest is dust in the wind. That is our saltiness. That is our distinctively Christian aspect. If you accept Christ, <clears throat> if he lives in you and you in him, then you are salt and light. Dan Stone in his book, The Rest of the Gospel, says this, Christ in you, the hope of glory, you have received the life. You cannot, you cannot fail to manifest it. 
He's not instructing you here. He's not saying you have to manifest it. He's saying you cannot help but manifest it. If Christ is in you, your light will shine. You just can't help it. So salt and light is Christian distinctiveness. I've talked before, I'm sure you know, more than once about glow-in-the-dark Christians, about the people we met when we moved here. I've also talked more than once, I'm sure, about the importance of kindness. The word is devalued. The virtue is the most underrated. Kindness is the true mark of a Christian life. It is consideration for others. It is generosity to others. It is loving your neighbour as yourself. Now, I know you. You are kind and generous people. And that is enough to let Christ shine through. But being like my brother takes us one step further. Being deliberately prepared to be generous and kind. Being deliberately prepared to allow ourselves to act on impulse and be generous and kind is a step further. Be yourself with Christ in you, you will shine. But to be ourselves, we need to be comfortable in ourselves. We need to be comfortable with Christ living in us, with what goes on inside us. But we can't live there inside. We have to live out there in the world. That is where we are salt and light. We're not salt and light down here inside. We are salt and light out in the world. If we are comfortable with Christ living in us, then we cannot help be light. Our kindness and generosity will be salt. It will be salt enough for a banquet. A banquet fit for a king. All the rest is dust in the wind. So when we read this passage, Christ isn't concerned with telling us how to be salt and light. We are already salt and light. What is he concerned with? Two things. Losing your saltiness. Hiding your light. Your light needs to be seen, not under a bowl or a basket, or if I remember rightly from my childhood, under a bushel. Your light needs to be seen. <clears throat> you need to be in the world. I don't know whether any of you recall a book called Out of the Salt Shaker by uh, Rebecca Manley Pippert. And she says this, 
how can we be the salt of the earth if we never make it out of the salt shaker? <coughs> Your dinner will never be flavoursome if the salt stays in the salt pot. It's got to be out on the dinner. You have to be out in the world. You can't live a life as a Christian, closeted away, living your life in church on Sunday, in prayer group on Monday, in a meeting on Tuesday, and so on. You have to be out there. If we do live out in the world, however, we're running a risk. Are we going to start losing our saltiness? Is our Christian distinctiveness going to be eroded by us gradually accepting the standards of the world? We have to keep a balance. We have to be out in the world, the world of work, the world of leisure, the world of people who've not embraced Christ. We have to be out there, and that's risky. But we also have the inner life, the life sustained by prayer, by worship, by study, the life renewed by dipping back into Christian surroundings. That's why we're here today. We need to be out there, but we need to be in here too. So we have this life that is a balancing act. Is it like a tightrope? Anybody remember a descent from Helvellyn? What's it called? Striding Edge. And it's called an edge because the land drops down at either side. It's like walking a tightrope. Down one side is the world which will erode our Christian distinctiveness. Down the other is the inner life, closeted away with Christians, never showing our light to the world. We walk the balancing act. But I don't think the tightrope is the right notion here. I like to think of an old swing by the river, like when I was a kid. An old tyre, a couple of ropes, an overhanging branch. You swing out over the river, out into the world. Maybe you get your feet wet. <coughs> Occasionally you might fall in. But you'll scramble back onto the branch, dry out, and get back on the swing. You swing back across the land into the safety of your Christian environment, knowing that you are anchored firmly in Christ. The ropes are tied to the branch and that you will swing back out again and back in. We're not walking a tightrope. We're not teetering on the brink of losing our distinctiveness or of withdrawing completely from the world. We can think of life as swinging, an exuberant activity, sailing out 
over the water, sweeping back over the safe, dry land. <clears throat> we're out there in the world, but we're in here with Christ too. That gives us a life that concentrates on what is important, a life that touches people. That's what's important. I've loved you, I've loved your mother, all the rest is dust in the wind. I have loved, all the rest is dust in the wind. I came across, while I was preparing this week, a little ancient prayer. Let's just read this together. Take, Lord, unto thyself my sense of self, and let it vanish utterly. Take, Lord, my life. Live thou my life through me. I live no longer, Lord, but in me now thou livest. I, twixt us, my God, there is no longer room for me and mine. Just before we sing our final hymn, why don't we stand together uh, in a response? And I just want us to uh, reflect for a moment on the words that Jesus said to his disciples and therefore to us today, that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And it may be you're here this morning and it's something you've always uh, you've strived to be. And there's a reminder this morning that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. It may be you know that you're here this morning <coughs> and that you feel that you have put that light under a bushel. maybe through fear, lack of confidence, lack of understanding. May we choose today to put that light on a stand. And it may be that as we're here this morning, you can think of people in your life who need the light of Jesus today. And as we hold them before God, we ask God that they would see more of you in us.
Lord, we pray that you would make us intentional in kindness and generosity. That we would see everyone that we come across the way that you do. Through those eyes of burning love and compassion and mercy and grace, forgiveness and acceptance. And may we evermore seek to reflect the true light that is you, Jesus, to the world around us. And I thank you that whatever we face in life, whatever we go through, that we are anchored to Christ. Let's just spend a moment just just waiting on God's Spirit, not rushing from this place, but allowing Him to speak into those areas of our lives where He wants to speak today. if there's someone here this morning who um, is feeling a deep need of um, security and uh, just thinking of the, the passage in um, uh, in the Bible that talks about God covering us with the shadow of his wings and overshadowing us and that's a, a kind of a symbol of protection and security And I wonder if that's uh, you this morning and you need a reminder of God's presence with you, overshadowing you, surrounding you. Then I wonder if it's worth you making use of the parachute as a symbolic (laughs) act of that, of coming under God's protection. And if you're not already under the parachute and you need to move under the parachute, then please uh, do so. And it's only if you're a symbolic person that helps for you. But just to use that as a sign of God's protection over you.
far too often we can rush from these these places, these times of stillness. I just think God is saying, just rest a little while longer. Don't hurry. Don't rush away. Embrace the discomfort of silence if you find it uncomfortable. If you're in need of assurance, if you're in need of peace, if you are in need of healing, if you're in need of hope, just allow him to remind you that he is the provider of those things. <laughs> 